0: Well, Mother's Day today, and what I want to do is kind of start off with a video that might uh, remind you of maybe those days when you had little kids around. Those of you who do have little kids around, and Lee, you can convey this to Rose and (laughs) and do that, but this hopefully will be encouraging to you as well. So yes, uh, sometimes the little ones are watching and thinking, wow, you're doing the same thing I'm doing. And really, that's what happens We're mentoring people before we even know it, and they're watching us as as we do and as we say, and so we need to watch and and, uh, be careful uh, that we follow Jesus in all ways. Today we're gonna look at how a mother and a grandmother mentored a young boy who grew up to be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. Now they did this by spending time with him and by modeling sincere spirituality. And over 100 years ago, by an act of Congress, President Woodrow Wilson proclaimed the second Sunday in May as Mother's Day. And he established it as a time for public expression of our love and in reverence for the mothers of our country. It's certainly true that no nation is ever greater than its mothers, for they are the makers of the next generation. One popular poem published back in 1865 contains this line, says, The hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. Actually, the hand that rocks the cradle is usually attached to a mother who isn't getting enough sleep. But, but, and so today we want to honor moms, and we applaud not only your efforts, but who you are. Now, having said that, though, today might be a pretty tough day because your mother is no longer here, and you really miss her. Or maybe you have a rough relationship with your mom, and you struggle with all the syrupy sentiments and Hallmark Cards. Some of you may have a mother who is very sick, and you wonder how much longer she's going to be with you. Maybe you're a single dad, and you hurt for your kids as you watch them struggle. Maybe you have experienced the devastating loss of a child's death. There are probably some mothers who wish they didn't have kids, and there are women who would give anything just to have a child. Others of you are grieving the direction your prodigal child is taking. Many moms are gripped with guilt and swimming in shame because they think they're not doing a good job. And a number of you moms are flying solo as you work hard to nurture your child's faith without the support of the child's dad. Regardless of what kinds of feelings get stirred up on Mother's Day, please keep listening because we're going to discover truth which will apply to each of us individually. We'll also find motivation to mentor others, whether or not they are our own children. Now, let me be quick, though, to say if you aren't married or don't have children, you are not inferior. Womanhood is not only about marriage and children. Your worth as a woman goes far beyond your marital status or whether or not you have kids. So as we begin, I want to give a a shout out to those of you who are raising young children, And uh, if Rose ever connects in on this or any other young uh, uh, mothers in this way, um, some of you are battling bedtimes and wondering when all the whining is going to stop. You're juggling schedules and running on emotional empty. Many of you can relate maybe to Proverbs Proverbs 31, 15, which says, she rises while it is yet night. (laughs) Would you take a deep breath? And just listen to these comforting words from the good shepherd. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. May you know the sweet gentleness of the shepherd as he leads you to love the little lambs in your care. In her book, The Missional Mom, author Helen Lee asks this question, Why aren't today's women discovering more joy and fulfillment in their journeys as mothers? So she believes the answers for moms to become more missional. She writes, Moms need to explore the idea of calling and understand both the specific part God has given them and also how the melody of motherhood fits into the grand symphony of, of God's work. Our text for today is found in 2 Timothy chapter 1. And in verse 5 it says, I am reminded of you sincere of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. This mother-daughter team took their their roles seriously. Paul gave a public shout out to those. these missional mothers in a time when women were rarely mentioned by name. And we could say it like this, a mom can be a spiritual mentor to her children no matter the situation. And before we unpack this text, let's consider the context of this. It's always a good practice. I've heard it put it this way, that a text taken out of context is a pretext for a proof text. So make sure you be careful. But the Apostle Paul, who was the human author of much of the New Testament, also mentioned Timothy, the son of Eunice and the grandson of Lois. And Timothy had become a partner in the gospel and was serving as the pastor of the Ephesian church. And Paul had written a previous letter to, the, uh, to Timothy, known as 1 Timothy, of course. And now, years later, as he neared the end of his life, Paul wrote another letter found in our Bibles called 2 Timothy. So let's consider his introduction found in the first two verses, 2 Timothy. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus to Timothy, my beloved child. Now, most of Paul's letters were written to groups of Christians gathered in churches, but here he singles out Timothy and calls him his beloved child. Now, Timothy's name means honoring God, And beloved refers to someone dear and highly, highly valued. And even though Timothy wasn't his physical child, he had become like a spiritual son to him. He writes something similar in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, That is why I sent you, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. Again, calling him his faithful child. And then back to 2 Timothy chapter 1, after greeting him in verse 2 with grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord, Paul Paul becomes quite personal in his feelings, which leads him to pray tirelessly for good old Pastor Tim. If you look at verse 3, it says, I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. So when Paul remembers Timothy, he prays for him unceasingly, incessantly, and and, and continuously. Continues on with it. And it means a lot to be thought of, doesn't it? When someone thinks of you and says, yeah, I'm praying for you. Or how you doing? I heard that uh, you did this. And to know what's going on with you and to find out more. It's pretty good. It means a lot when you're thought of. And when we think of someone, we should thank them. Not only does Paul think of and thank Timothy, he also stays with and prays with him. And then when we come to verse 4, we see this triggered a tender memory for Paul. He says, as I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. As Paul recalls Tim's tears, it makes him long to see him. It's been about 11 years since they last saw each other, and this word means to yearn and desire earnestly. And that word filled has the idea of being previously empty or hollow. So the Apostle Paul felt like this when he wrote a letter to the believers at Thessalonica when he said, "'But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, for you are our glory and joy.'" And Paul's love for Christ and, and, and for the followers of Christ was profound to the church at Philippi. He wrote this, he said, "'For God is my witness.'" How I yearn for, your all, for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And As he prepared to leave the elders at Ephesus, he said these words in Acts. He said, For three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And then when he departed, they all fell to pieces. He said, And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken that they would not see his face again. And later in his correspondence with Timothy, Paul told him in 2 Timothy 4, verse 9, do your best to come to me soon. So as Paul writes these words from his prison cell, he remembers where Timothy's sincere faith had its roots. His mind immediately fills with memories of two missional moms. Timothy's mom, Eunice, and Eunice's mom, Lois. And as Paul reminisces about these relationships, he recalls Eunice being raised in in a religious home where she was greatly impacted by her mother, Lois, they lived in Lystra, a pagan place filled with idols. And she loved hearing stories from the Bible and enjoyed gathering in services where she could learn about God. And as she approached her teenage years, she became attracted to a guy who was not into religion at all. And against the best wishes of her godly mother, the teaching of her faith, and the tug of her conscience, she married the unbelieving man. And after a couple of years of marriage, Eunice and her husband had a baby boy, and they named, named him Tim. And in the meantime, Eunice's dad died, so they asked her mother Lois to come and live with them. And little Timmy was a delight to everyone, both his mother and grandmother spent hours with him, teaching him the Bible, praying with him, and training him in the things of God, creating a spiritual environment where he could flourish. And Acts chapter 1, or Acts chapter 16, excuse me, verse 1, tells us Eunice was raised in the Jewish faith and had recently become a Christian. And these new believers, in turn, focused on teaching Timothy all about Jesus. Now we don't know much about Timothy's dad other than he was a Greek, and he was an unbeliever. We're not told if he deserted the family, or if he died, or if he was around but just absent spiritually. And by the way, I'm not suggesting that dads don't matter. Dads do matter. They they matter quite a bit. Definitely. If you listen to 2 Timothy 1, verse 5 again, it says, "...I am reminded..." of your sincere faith, the faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. When he recalls the last time they connected, he remembers Timothy weeping, which reminds him of the hollow hollow place in his heart for his ministry partner. And Paul had already used the word remember twice, and now he writes the word reminded, which is a bit more active and purposeful. It means, when I called to remembrance or more literally, having received a reminding. (laughs) And that word sincere means genuine, without hypocrisy or pretense. The King James translates this as unfeigned faith. And Timothy's faith was not a false facade. He He was the real deal. As Paul is reminded of Timothy's sincere spirituality, he recalls the godliness of his grandmother Lois. And while tracing his family tree of faith, he uses the phrase, a faith that dwelt. The word dwelt means to inhabit, take up residence, to be at home with. One Greek expert translates it this way. He says, to house in you continually. Faith didn't make a, great, uh, faith didn't make a guest appearance a couple times a year. Instead, Her faith was a full-time, year-round resident. It stayed. Lois then passed on a legacy of faith to her daughter Eunice, who had the same kind of all-in faith. Your mother mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. Paul is convinced that Timothy's Timothy's faith commitment can be traced through his mother and through his grandmother. And notice the word dwells is is in the present tense meaning Timothy's faith is is alive and is active. So through all this in background and the context here, these verses, there are five principles, I believe, that that come from this passage that we can connect in on. First one is sincere Christ followers stand out. Sincere Christ, Christ followers stand out. Paul is in prison. He knows his time is short. Many of his friends, like Demas, deserted him. But he remembers the sincere spirituality of Timothy, and of Eunice, and of Lois. They stood out to him. I'm sure there are people in your life that has, have stood out to you, spiritual giants that have just mentored you along the way, and maybe they didn't say much, they just did it. And you followed them, you watched their example, and you saw that their example matched up with what they said. They loved God, they followed Jesus. They let Jesus be Lord of their life. You probably could name some people like that. Within our church family, we could probably name some people like that. Austin Chamberlain back in the day. Dave Kokendorfer as well too. Possibly as well, Dale, Dale Oviatt, Tim Teeson, Mark Durkoop. Then there's Neil LaRocco. Live his faith out on his sleeve and let you know what's going on. Chris Thiessen, Stephanie Frentris, and many others that have lived their faith out before us and have stood out in a way where we notice there's something special there. And I want to follow that. I want to emulate that. Sincere Christ followers stand out. Also, too, another principle out of this portion of Scripture we can find is that we need to focus on, focus on your family first. Focus on your family first. Grandma appointed her daughter to the gospel of grace. Then mom modeled the faith and mentored her own son. The principle is to focus on the faith formation in your family first because your closest neighbors to love are your own family members. The character of your children tomorrow depends on what you cultivate in them today. If they're going to live it out, you must first pass it on. Moms, your first and most important mission is ministry to your children. One Jewish proverb says, one mother achieves more than a hundred (laughs) teachers. And it is so true. You're living it out before them, before your children, and you are helping them see what this relationship with Jesus is all about. Don't grow weary. Keep on going. And the job doesn't finish once those children become adult kids. You continue on living it out. Being reminded that they choose what they're going to choose. But don't let that sway you from you being that missional mom, letting them know that Jesus loves them. Another principle we can gather out of this passage is that faith is both taught and caught. Faith is both taught and caught. This faith dwelt first in his grandma and in his mom. And Paul notes it also uh, is in Timothy. I'm sure it dwells in you as well. And Grandma Lois and Mother Eunice taught Tim, and he caught their faith because he saw their sincerity. Sincerity. People may listen to our words, but they watch the way we live to see if we're sincere. Does what we do match up with what we say? And they're waiting to see. Is this relationship you have with Jesus real? Does it make a difference in your life? And they're waiting to see. And not only what we say so that they can be taught, but also to what we do so it can be caught. Letting... The little ones know around us that Jesus is Lord. Another principle that you can gather out of this portion of Scripture as well, there are no perfect moms. Sorry, maybe not a good phrase to say on Mother's Day. For some of you, that's a relief. For others, that's close to blasphemy. (laughs) You don't have to be a perfect parent because there aren't any. There's no way to be a perfect mother and a million ways to be a good one. God is looking for ordinary moms in ordinary circumstances who are faithful in rather ordinary ways. Matt Chandler, a pastor and author, says it this way. He says, God is awesome. He doesn't need you to be awesome. He wants you to be obedient. (laughs) So we need to be obedient as Christ followers. And as we do that, the rest will be taken care of. And then one other thing we can gather out of this as a principle is even in a less than ideal situation, you can make an eternal impact. No matter what your situation, what environment you're in, you can still make an eternal impact. Some of you are parenting on your own. And you find yourself in a very difficult place. But with God's help, you are not alone. Moms, you are on mission. Take the long Take the long view, which stretches beyond diapers and dinner time. Your role is extremely difficult and messy, but, you, but what you do matters because motherhood is your mission field. As we look at how Timothy's faith was impacted by his mother and grandmother, we can find encouragement to do the same. So let me share with you three ways moms can spiritually mentor their children. Three ways moms can spiritually mentor their children, no matter the situation. No matter the situation. First of all, so salvation. so salvation. Jude 3 says we are to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Faith must be delivered to the next generation. When mothers model genuine faith, Salvation can be sowed in the soil of their children's souls. And Timothy heard the gospel, but he still needed to repent and still needed to receive salvation in order to be saved. There was a beginning point, and he had to come up to that point. And grandmother and mom had to bring him to that point and have him make that decision. What was he going to decide? Sowing the seeds of salvation. And having said that, Some of you are doing the best you can, and your child has gone prodigal on you. We hurt for you. Now, I certainly don't mean to imply you've done something wrong or that there's some fail-safe formula to follow that guarantees faith in your kids. Do these three steps, and here you go. Your child's a Christian now. Woo! It's not guaranteed because they have a choice. (laughs) We all have a choice. They will choose. You can have the perfect Christian environment and that child's going to choose what he or she's going to choose. But you at least lay the environment, lay prepare the soil, have that one ready to go in a great environment. What, am I, what I'm saying is this. Christ must be at home in your heart before He can be at home in your home. <laughs> have Christ in your, your heart, get it, get it going there, and then it will be in your home. And then your, your, your kids will have no excuse. <laughs> they'll make their own choices, but they have no excuse. Like I said before, we gave our kids uh, choices, options, but we made the, the choice to follow Christ and the choice to be obedient to God more attractive (laughs) than the other one. They had a choice. But the environment that you place the seat that choice in matters all all the world. There's a cartoon in which a young daughter asks her mom a very important question. Mommy, what is a Christian? (laughs) And the mother thought for a moment and replied, well, a Christian is a person who loves and obeys God and Loves their friends, and neighbors, and even their enemies. They are kind and gentle and pray a lot. They look forward to going to heaven and believe knowing God is better than anything on this earth. That is a Christian. And the little girl pondered this for a few moments and asked, Mommy, uh, have I ever seen a Christian? <laughs> kind of condemning sometimes. Timothy saw two sincere Christians every day. There is no phoniness about their faith. They were fully devoted, completely committed, and Timothy knew it. No one knows better than a child whether a parent's faith is genuine or not. They can see right through that. It's as if they have a, a phony faith detector. They can spot it quickly. So do your children And grandchildren, see you as a godly guide? Moms, if you want to instill authentic faith in your children, make sure to take your own faith seriously. If you're just going through the motions spiritually, your kids will eventually see it. And tragically, they may do the same thing when they are older. It leads to a question. Is your faith actual or an act? As you, as you demonstrate your faith consistently, you will send a, a strong message to your children. I heard a pa- about a pastor who had a long conversation with a guy about becoming a member of his church. And when he was done, the young man said he was ready to join. The pastor was pretty pleased with himself, so he asked, "'What did I say that convinced you to join the church?' The man answered, "'It was nothing I heard you say. "'It was the way my mother lived.'" A mother can touch a whole generation just by loving her own child well. Timothy's family environment was fertile to his faith development. Both his mother and his grandmother held their faith deeply and shared it freely. And it wasn't the facts they knew, but their faith that grew him. So, how fertile? is the environment in your family for the reproduction and nurturing of authentic faith in the lives of your children and your grandchildren. See, a mom can be a spiritual mentor to her children no matter the situation. Another thing we can grasp out of this then too, to be able to uh, be a mom who can mentor, share Scripture, share Scripture, Grandma and mom not only sowed salvation, but they also shared the Scriptures. If you look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, it says, "...but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus." The phrase there, from whom, is plural, referring to how grandma and mom intentionally taught the Scriptures to Timothy. And the word childhood there refers to a newborn baby or a toddler. Lois and Eunice teamed up to provide Bible classes for this young Timothy, even before he could crawl. Mothers, it's never too early to start teaching the Bible to your children. And it's never too late to start if you haven't already. It's important for parents to make sure children are swimming in the Scriptures because Romans chapter 10, verse 17 tells us, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. Remember, Timothy lived in a pagan culture under the roof of a pagan father, and yet he knew the Scriptures from infancy. To make a son or a daughter... Wise for salvation means to work hard connecting all the stories and narratives so your children know how they all point to Christ. They taught Timothy, the Old Testament, pointing out how all the prophecies were fulfilled in Christ. Four scholars were uh, arguing over Bible translations and one said he preferred the King James because of its eloquent English. Another said he liked the ESV for its literalism. The third scholar was sold on a new living translation for its use of contemporary phrases and expressions. And after being quiet for a moment, the fourth scholar admitted, "Well, I have personally preferred my mother's translation." When the other scholars st- started laughing, he said, "My mom, my mom translated each page of the Bible into life. It's the most important." most important convincing translation I have ever read. We need to be ready to translate what we read from God's Word into our life. That will be the most convincing translation anyone will read. What kind of Bible is your child reading when he or she observes your life? Remember, a mom can be a spiritual mentor to her children no matter the situation Moms, do all you can to sow salvation and to share Scripture, which then leads to the third challenge. Start serving. Start serving. In Acts chapter 16, the first three verses, it says, Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. So there are some character qualities in Timothy that were no doubt passed down from his mother and his grandmother, and let me list those for you here today, Character qualities you see here in Timothy. He was a strong believer. Strong believer. He is referred to in Acts chapter 16, verse 1 through 3, as a disciple. Luke, who is the author of Acts, could have referred to him as a believer or even a Christian, but he chose to call him a disciple. A disciple is a a learner and a follower. A disciple is one who is serious about Christ, not just one who is going through the motions. And we're all called to be disciples who make disciples. Timothy was a full-fledged follower, not just a fan of Jesus. He was a strong believer. He also had a good reputation. As a portion of Scripture in Acts says, he was well spoken of by the Christians who lived around him. People knew him as a man of integrity and as a man of the Word, and he was rock solid. Also, he was available. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. As you read the book of Acts, you'll see he knew how to minister. (laughs) He understood it meant leaving home, facing hardship, and in Philippians, Paul can't can't think of anyone like Timothy when he writes, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Timothy was a good guy. And Paul thought very highly of Timothy and couldn't wait to unleash him for ministry. Moms who mentor make sure their children start serving. For many years, Becky and I had one primary job as parents when our children were still at home to disciple them so they would grow up to be young men and women of God who would serve Him wholeheartedly for the rest of their lives. And by the grace of God, they are doing pretty good. And now Becky and I have a new chapter in our lives. And we turn to the grandchildren and look forward to how we can be used by God in their little lives. See, it doesn't stop. It continues on. And we continue to try to disciple. I was over at uh, pastor's and spouse retreat here uh, Monday through Wednesday. <clears throat> I was over at the beach in Newport. And uh, during that time, <clears throat> during the singing time, um, worship uh, songs sung, and one of them was called The Blessing. And uh, during that time, the song was sung and maybe you've heard of it before, a more contemporary uh, worship song. In the section of, of, of that song are these words that says, May His favor, God's favor, be upon you in a thousand generations, and your family, and your children, and their children, and their children. And it hit me as we were singing that song. It's like, okay, God has, has shown His favor on our family Thank you. And now God is looking to show favor to their children. And then I thought, to their children then? (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) And so what we do today will determine that down the line, what that looks like. And how generations can be affected by those who've gone before us who prayed for us, who laid that spiritual ground for us. When Becky and I got married, we determined that it would be a beginning of a spiritual heritage for our family. I didn't have that as much in my growing up. I didn't become a Christian until I was a senior in high school. But I had common sense parents, especially a common sense mom that teach me what is right and what is wrong and do what is right and don't do what is wrong. I had uh, grandparents, both sides, they would attend church, but I didn't hear a lot about their spiritual walk. So Becky and I determined and decided, yes, this is going to be the beginning of a spiritual heritage. And so I look back on this now and I'm thinking, man, <laughs> look what's going on. And how God is using what we have put into place by God's grace and how it's continuing to be instilled in the, in, in the lives of our kids and now into their kids and to think 20 years from now, their kids, <laughs> if we're still around, if we're not, at least we've laid the groundwork. And hopefully they'll look back on that and say, yeah, Grandpa Jim was pretty cool. Teaching us about God. Grandma, Grandma Becky, I loved her. <laughs> to be able to let them see God in us. If you're a mom or a grandmom, You are on a mission. The values you leave your children and grandchildren are more important than the valuables you may leave them. So, sow salvation, share Scripture, start serving. Your mission is to be a spiritual mentor to your children, no matter the situation, to be a mom who mentors. Oh, uh, one, one well-experienced mom describes an incident that happened between her and her young child. It was a busy day in our home, she says, but then with ten children <laughs> and another one on the way, every day was a bit hectic. On this particular day, however, I was having trouble doing even routine chores, all because of one little boy, Len. Len, who was three at the time, was on my heels no matter where I went. Whenever I stopped to do something and turned around, I would trip over him. Several times I patiently suggested fun activities to keep him occupied. Wouldn't you like to play on the swing set? I asked again. But he simply smiled an innocent smile and said, Oh, that's all right, Mommy. I'd rather be in here with you. Then he continued to bounce happily along behind me. After stepping on his toes for the fifth time, I began to lose patience and insisted that he go outside to play with the other children. He still wouldn't go. When I asked him why he was acting this way, he looked up at me with his sweet green eyes and said, "'Well, Mommy, in Sunday school, my teacher told me to walk in Jesus' footsteps. (laughs) But I can't see him, so I'm walking in yours.'" There's a responsibility. We all have this responsibility as parents, as grandparents, to follow in the footsteps of Jesus for the sake of our children's and grandchildren's spiritual well-being. If you want to make sure you're following in the footsteps of Jesus, won't you spend some time in prayer today? Some time in prayer with Jesus, just asking Him to help you walk in His ways for the sake of those who follow you. Because there are those who follow you, even if you don't realize it. I have Don come on up. He's going to lead us in some songs here. If you just want to take some time, though, just to pray and ask God, help me. Help me be one who can mentor those we're going to go on ahead. Maybe you just want to thank God for what He's done for you. Maybe you just want to spend some time quietly in the presence of God, and that's fine too. Whatever it is, if the Holy Spirit's tapping you on the shoulder in some way, we need to respond in obedience. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I ask that you be with each person here today, and and Lord, on this Mother's Day, that we would all take a hold of the message you have for us. To be the mentor of those who are going on ahead of us. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us do that in ways, Lord, that you, you, you lay out. And Lord, maybe today is the beginning of that. Maybe today is the continuing of that. Whatever it might be, Lord, as you have spoken to our hearts, I pray, Lord, that we would respond in obedience to what you have for us. And Lord, as we sing these songs, uh, may may our hearts and our minds just be upon you and be reminded of how good you are in our lives and how you want to use us for your glory in the lives of others. So, Lord, help us to be available for that. Thank you, Jesus.